Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Amen. Morning, everyone. Good to see everyone out this morning. Um, so yeah, we're excited to get uh, some other voices up onto the stage. I'm just briefly going to be introducing this this morning. It looks like we're going to have Westlife behind me coming up onto the stools. Um, but uh, it's, this, this is a key Sunday for us. As Heather has said, family is, is a crucial part of, of the heart of God and, and the heart of, of who we are and what we want to be about. If, if you were here last Sunday... And what we, what we finished really looking at was this idea about what it actually meant, re-emphasize once again, what it means to be the church that as the saved, as redeemed, as those that have been reconciled, what we've now been entrusted with is the ministry of reconciliation. Guys, is my screen up? Um, what we've now been entrusted with is the ministry of reconciliation and this theme of unfailed faces. Paul says this to the church in Corinth, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And give us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have been entrusted, has been committed to us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. To God, And we looked last Sunday about how we share Jesus, how we share kingdom, how we actually carry out this message. Our ministry of reconciliation is not at a distance with pointed finger and in judgment, which we can so easily do. But as the church, what we actually do is in relationship and drawing alongside people, it's allowing them and it's pointing out who they were created to be, all that God has created them to be, and, and to bring the, the beautiful things that God has set within them. I think one of the words we looked at, was that idea about for the original human, Adam and Eve, as they were created, and this was the mandate for us all. Adam was set in the garden, and uh, for him and Eve, they were told to work, but to take care of creation. And that idea of to take care, that word means to draw out the potential. And this morning, we're going to be hearing stories of amazing people who are, who are doing that. I know that there are many amazing parents in the room and, and grandparents and family members who are, who are helping to do that in lots of different ways. Great role models to people in society who are looking to just draw out potential of people. And this is a creational mandate that is upon us all. We need to be people who don't just do that in words, but in action. We demonstrate the love of God because this is the heart of the Father. Father that we've been worshiping this morning, this is the heart of the Father. This is what we read about him in the Psalms. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. This is the Father that we love this morning. And yet we see this was right throughout the pages from the, from the early days, the early point that for God's people, this is the direction that he gave. That while he was the Father, this was his heart to his people. He said, do this. This is what it means to be the people of God. So even in Deuteronomy, this was some of the directions that were given. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, will not go into preaching that. And then listen to this, and the foreigners, the fatherless, the widows who live in the towns may come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. The heart of God was always look out beyond yourself, always look to those who are in need, always look to those who, who need the love of the Father. This is what it means to be engaged in the ministry of reconciliation. And then a verse that Heather referenced was this, God sets the lonely 
and families. It's one of the key verses we've been looking at um, over this over this last year. Family is key to the heart of God and is something which he desires to see modeled out. I love this quote. I think it was Adam Cox who, who quoted this, but it simply says this, we are loved by a father and formed in a family. We are loved by a father, but we're formed in a family. God's heart was for relationship and through relationship, even as we relate one to another, that it is formational. I, I was delighted this morning, um, so my son went out, I said not to have them, my son went out this morning to, to, to crash or to Kingdom Kids for the first time in ages. That's my prayer as he goes, his father, just pr- thank you that he's, he's part of a family that is, he's being formed in. That while you love him, he's formed in family. And how we get to do that one with another. But yet there are many people who just do not have the blessing of a secure and safe family to be formed in. And so that's this morning what we're really going to be highlighting as we look at Adoption Sunday. This morning we also just wanted to take just the outset, just a moment, just to welcome people into our church family. This is a key moment for us as well. There are people who recently went through Believing and Belonging, which was our membership course, have have said that they really wanted this to be home for them. They wanted this to be a family where they were putting down their roots. And so this morning we just, as a church family, want to welcome them formally uh, into who we are and all that we are. And, uh, and so we have some names that are up on the screen. We're just going to run through them briefly. And then if any of the guys are here, we're going to ask them to stand. And as a church family, we're going to welcome them and pray for them this morning. Is that all right? Because we're loved by a father, but we're formed in family. So it's, it's key that we do this. And so... Some of the names on the screen, Paul and Sarah Harvey, with some of the children, not all the children and all the families, but for these guys that are in brackets, they're older teenagers, people who will probably in the next while become members in their own right when they make that decision, but uh, they're, they're a key part of the families. And so for Paul and Sarah, they're, 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 their sons, Jack Harvey and Bobby Harvey, Graham and Joanne Galt, um, and their daughters, Emma and Kira. I had to text Graham this morning to get the spelling of Kira. Uh, I couldn't spell it properly. Uh, James Mitchell, Hannah Abram, Karen Patterson, Richard Patterson, Sam Bradford, Ruth Bradford, David Tall, Natalie Tall, Roy Graham, and Charith Hughes. All these people have said at this moment, this is where they want to be home and they want to be family. If there's any of them here this morning, any of those names, could you stand for me this morning? I see the girls over here. Great. Guys, let's, let, let's give these guys a round of applause. Firstly, this morning, to welcome them to family. And stay standing for me one minute just before we go on. If you're, if you're sitting near them, could you do me a favor? Just place your hand on them. We're just going to pray for them this morning um, just to, to welcome them into the family. Father, I thank you that even as we, as we go on to focus on other stories this morning and we reflect on the beautiful things that you're doing through the church and how you're extending family to those that don't have it, Father, I thank you for these people here standing today. God, in the name of Jesus, we welcome them into this family. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just pray, God, that everything that you have deposited and placed within them, Father, would come alive. God, that this would be a family where they feel safe, God, to just outwork the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you've placed within them. And I thank you for every one of them, Father. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've anointed them and you've called them and you've set them apart. And Father, we just pray, God, in the days, weeks, years ahead, for whatever it is together, Father, we just want to commit ourselves. God, as a whole family, we commit ourselves to you. We say, God, let your kingdom come, may your kingdom come, your will be done here amongst us as a church family, here on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Father, we welcome them, Father. We just, in the name of Jesus, call them, Father, just to, to come alive and to step up to all that you're doing in and through them and be blessed in this, Father. Thank you that this blesses your heart. Thank you for this, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Welcome, guys. Great moments being able to do that. But uh, as not just for our church family, but even within our own individual families, this is what it is. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The Father's heart, look out beyond yourself. This is Adoption Sunday. As Heather said, it's a, it's a Sunday just nationally where we just reflect uh, on the whole area of adoption and fostering. And, uh, and this morning, um, I'm going I'm to welcome the guys up just in a little second, just the guys who are going to be sharing this morning. I'm going to have very little to say. This is a great Sunday. I was, I was laughing with, some, with Mark and Claire at the start. I said it was great. Very little preparation to do for today. Um, you're able to just ask questions and allow you guys just to hear the heart of what God is doing. I, I would say this, and these heroes of faith <laughs> this morning, um, I, I said that to them privately in a group message, heroes of faith, people who faith has come alive and this is real for them. And this morning I would love us to feel and be inspired by that, but I would love us this morning to recognize how we can support and how we can all be involved in this through their stories. What we're going to do, there's a video that's coming on the screen now about Adoption Sunday and as the video is playing, uh, the guys are going to come up um, and we'll do the interviews off the back of it. Let's watch the screens and uh, let's watch a video. a long way away. Now we live in a flat. When I was three, my sister was born. She's called Lisa. Now I'm four. I like to play with Lego and I like to play outside. When it rains, I like to jump in puddles. I like to go to nursery and I like to play. My best friend is called Hassan. Lisa sleeps in my bedroom and she cries a lot. Vicky is our social worker and she comes to see us at home. She's good to play with. She holds Lisa so she didn't cry anymore. She took me to the dentist. The dentist showed me how to clean my teeth but because I didn't know it. I got a sticker. I'm Ryan and I'm going to be 14 soon. First time I was taken into care, I was two. I don't remember much, but there was a photo of me at the beach eating ice cream. I look happy. I went back to mum for a few years, but she got a boyfriend. I had to leave after my teacher saw the bruises. I lived with a few different families and when I was 10, they decided I probably couldn't go back to my mum because of the boyfriend. I live with Ross and Helen now, and they say I can stay with them forever. I still get to see my mum sometimes. I love Sam. When I'm angry, we go for a run together. I like to dance and I like the trampoline best of all. I also like to paint and at school I like it when we go outside. 
I have two brothers and they are two. They are twins. When my brothers were born, we came to live with Ken and Anne and they look after us. I like dinner time because Ken cooks good food. I'm hoping that when I am six, I will find my new family and live with them forever. Our social worker Mike is looking for them. I'm sad because I might have to go to a new school. But I am happy that we will have a forever family to love us and keep us safe. I hope they have a trampoline. Every child's story is different, but sadly for most of the children waiting to be fostered or adopted in the UK, too many of their stories include some pretty terrible things that no child should have had to see or endure. Over 70% of the children waiting have experienced neglect or abuse. And we think with your help, these children's stories could be different. We're not promising you Anna Green Gables or Despicable Me, just neat, happy endings, but we do believe with your help, their stories will be better. For some of us, that's going to involve stepping up to foster or adopt them. But for all of us, it could involve helping to make these children's lives better. What is it that you are willing to do to help? Great. Um, this, uh, th this whole area is, is something that is, is massive. Some, some stats just to kind of set the tone for this, to allow us to see and understand this. Uh, Lindsay had sent these through to me, um, 31st of March 2017, so these are 2017 statistics. Uh, 2,983 children were looked after in, in Northern Ireland, looked after children where there's, there's a care order that's been placed upon them. Um, and they're, they're, they're cared for for more than 24 hours uh, at a time, some of them obviously much longer than that. Uh, this was uh, the highest number recorded since the introduction of the Children Order um, in Northern Ireland in 1995. The highest number I've looked after. And in our area here in the Southern Trust, 484 of those out of that 2,983, 484 were in this area in the Southern Trust. We see the, the great need that there was uh, even within, within that year. And you know that part of who we are as a church family, this is our vision statement to help rewrite the story of Craig Avon. There is a story that is currently uh, happening, and it's things that are happening in our, in our city. That's why we, we want to share stats. This is the reality of what's going on. But we have these great guys up on the stage here, here, and it's a blessing to have them and their stories, having to be part of our church family here, engaging with us, helping to rewrite this story helping to do something about it. And so this morning, we're going to just give them a chance just to introduce themselves, um, and we're going to just be asking them. I've got some questions written down here, and uh, just so that we can delve into some of the different areas involved with this. And we're going to start with, um, with Ali and Jeremy this morning. Um, t tell us a little bit about yourselves. This is Ali and Jeremy Purdy. Um, tell us a wee bit about, about your family, will you? Uh, yep, yeah, uh, I'm Jay, um, my wife, Ali. Um, Husband, um, a father, uh, father or foster parent, um, mountain rescue volunteer, um, and I run my own business, design and print studio. Um, and we're only just sort of probably one of the newest foster carers, uh, probably up here, sort of from April this year. 
Great. I should have said that um, off the back of, Lindsay had told me, off the back of uh, one of the Home for Good meetings, this group formed um, with a few other people as well, uh, just people who just were carrying a real heart for this uh, in the church. And so these guys meet uh, frequently and uh, to talk about this, to support one another. They're in a WhatsApp group as well that I got added into. I'll come out of it, I promise, on the back of this. Um, and it's, 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 it's a blessing for this. But Ollie, for, for, you, for you guys, um, what, what was the motivation for you guys to foster? Um, it's always been something um, in my heart to do. My mum and dad are kinship foster carers um, for my niece. So 14 years ago, I said, I'm going to do that someday. Um, and whenever Jay and I met, we were always very open about our thoughts and our future dreams and all of that. So before we even got engaged, we talked and said, someday, someday we'll do that. And, you know, we got married and we had our own children. And we all, we, we never thought we'd be doing it now. We always thought whenever they're older and, you know, they're doing their own thing and we have more time, but we're doing it now and we're still a bit in shock of that, yeah. <laughs> like, our yeah, girls are still young. Um, Sophia is seven and Ellen is four. Um, and we just found ourselves in a place where we had an extra bedroom. We knew we wanted to do this. We went to uh, information evening in the Seago Hotel last May and the whole theme that we heard was everyone who got up and spoke said, they always wanted to do it, and it was always, we'll do it in five years' time, in ten years' time. And we thought, no, we're going to do it now. We can do it now. So we thought we're, the, the panel would say, no, you're crazy, come back again. But um, they approved us. <laughs> Brilliant. Mark, Mark and Claire, um, do you guys want to pass the microphone down to them? Um, Mar Mark and Claire Emerson here at the end. Um, guys, you tell, tell us a wee bit about your journey. So Mark and Claire adopt. Um, tell us a wee bit about your journey in, into adoption and and it's it's in, inter-country adoption that you guys did, wasn't it? So t tell us a little bit about that and what the process involved for you. Um, so my name is Mark Emerson, my declare, he's seated here. And we have two adopted kids. Clara is now 13. We adopted her when she was six months old from Colombia. And Michael, who's nine, uh, we adopted him when he was four Locally here, he was in, come from Belfast Trust, he was in Cur there. Um, is African heritage, but he was born in Ireland. Um. Yeah, so um, I suppose we were just married a few years and knew that we wanted a family. And we were when we were told that that wasn't going to happen uh, biologically, uh, while that was a blow, it was probably confirmation of our passion for adoption. We have adoption in both of our families with cousins. And I had lived in South America for a year. I was studying Spanish. And uh, we knew that that was our path. And we came from that last appointment down the motorway with just complete peace. Now, little did we know that we were on a road that would probably take us 13 and a half years to get both our kids. Um, we started in early 20s, and we were both 40 when our son Michael came. So it was not an easy process. And adoption breaks you and breaks you and breaks you again. And uh, that's maybe a good thing because these children come very broken and it doesn't matter what age they are. Um, even Clara, as a, uh, we heard about her when she was six months and we got her when she was eight months. And uh, she had so many needs and it was just like turning a light on in that young baby's life. And then Michael came as a four-year-old in Belfast. He was well cared for but had a huge amount of needs and had a very insecure, horrendous fo uh, start to his life, you know, particularly the first two years until he came into care. Um, so these kids, to us, I suppose, are the heroes because they're the resilient ones and they're the ones who 
sorry. So adoption breaking, you never get through without some emotion. I'll, I'll say that now, but um, you know they are resilient and they pick up and they move on, and it's just amazing. Um, but I, I would say this, you know, when we got Clara, we heard about her, and it was a it was a long journey. And while you do your home, you know, you do preparation course and you do your home study and everything, it takes a long time. But it's quite a therapeutic process, if you if you could say that. Um, when we heard about her, it, Mark loves Christmas, and he just, he was just like, this is like Christmas morning, you know, staying in Dublin and waiting to get the flight. She was from Colombia. They had had a very transparent adoption system. And uh, the day we arrived in Colombia, in Bogota, in the capital, they told us we were going to get her the next day. And uh, there's just no words to sum up what that is like. Um, you know, when the social worker, we heard a bang downstairs in the office, that was the door closing, and they came upstairs carrying this little eight-month-old who needed a family and looking at her for the first time. It, it was just like God restored everything on us that we felt that we had lost because infertility is a loss and the waiting is tough. And uh, if any of you are waiting this morning, I, we would say, hold on. We have hearts for those who wait and it's tough. So hold on because you will get there. And at times it feels like you won't. And the prize that's waiting at the end when you get there, you would say, I'll do that 10 times over again. But when you're in the middle of it, it's tough going. But yeah, um, Clara and Michael are here and we wouldn't change anything. Adoption is, has made us. It's made our family and uh, it's been our greatest blessing, I guess. And, and amazing parents had it as well. Um, for, for Mervyn and Barbara, um, <coughs> for you guys, so for Mervyn and Barbara, Mervyn, is, Mervyn Johnson is one of our elders in church. Uh, and, his, and his wife, Barbara, Mer Mervyn and Barbara, well, you, you, tell, you tell us, you're foster parents, but tell us about your current situation, Merv. Um, yeah, we, uh, Barbara and myself, um, both have a grown-up family now with three daughters who are married and have their own kids. So we have a load of grandkids running about, and our son got married this year. So he's living in London at the moment, so they're all gone. Uh, we've been fostering now just over 10 years. Uh, it was really Barbara's idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was in youth work, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, she really felt it was, she can tell you a bit about it. She, she actually uh, said I was to come up here and she wasn't coming, but David's got her up here this morning, so I don't know if she's going to speak or not. Um, yeah, we've been adopting just over, uh, fostering just over 10 years now, and we have fostered uh, all teenagers, and they're all long term, and we've fostered nine now. Nine and a few short-term ones as well in between there, but nine long-term. At the moment, we have four teenage boys. Um, we have one lad who's 19, just turning 19 this year, and he's been with us from he was 12. He's a young African lad, and uh, we have another young lad, a uh, local lad, who's just turning 18 this year. He's been with us from he's about 13. Uh, we have two other wee lads now, one at 12 and one at 11, and they've been with us uh, four years and nine months the other one has been with us now so Barbara what are like what are some of the challenges of fostering four teenage boys <laughs> it can be a nightmare they're just in your face all the time just constantly defying you but we thought if we got them about 11 or 12 you've built a relationship before you hit the teenage years so it's very challenging is basically all, all you can say I'm sure a lot a lot of energy Needed yes. as well for that. Yes. Mur Murph, you had a lot more hair at the beginning of it too, didn't you? 
It's a long time since I've had her. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't go there. And I would say whenever any young, any of the kids come to us, no matter what age they are, there's, there are always several things about them. They're always very, they're either frightened, they're confused, they're angry, they're resentful. They don't know what's going to happen to them. Um, but one thing for certain, they're all very broken. And that comes out in, in very negative uh, and very bad behavior, which is very difficult to deal with. Uh, you just constantly have to remind yourself where this is coming from. And, and it does stem from what's been going on in their lives beforehand. And it is very challenging, very challenging. We use the police at the door, you're quite regular and stuff like that. You know, uh, we have found that um, it takes between three and four years for them to settle down and trust you. And you think, and the behavior starting to improve, and then all this emotional baggage mm. starts to come out, so you're back to square one again. Well, Christine, Christine and David, um, you're, you both are adopting uh, at the moment. Um, t tell us a little bit about your journey and how, how you found the experience and the journey of everything so far. <coughs> okay, um, I'm David, this is Christine. Um, yeah, well, we have two kids. Um, we adopted them from Scotland. We've had them now two and a half years. Um, the adoption order was through, though, finalized just last September. Yeah, so just over a year. Um, yeah, the journey for us, I suppose, um, again, has been, took quite a while. Um, but then at the end, it went incredibly fast. Um, yeah, usually, usually what happens is you decide to adopt whatever your reasons are um, and then you do a home study with your social worker so they come to your house every fortnight for maybe six nine months and then after that you go to a panel and they say yes or no um, and that process for us which normally takes six to nine months took us two years nearly did it it was a, yeah it was a really long time for various reasons it was it was God, like looking back, it was definitely God, but they had approved us at the start for, um, for a straightforward adoption, but we wanted to foster first, and they approved us for one child, but we wanted a sibling group, and they approved us for a younger child, but we wanted older children, so they approved us for all the things that, are, um, that, that weren't what we wanted, because we wanted the children who were waiting a wee bit longer in care. Um, and so that was really difficult at the time, because we couldn't really understand the reasons were just ridiculous just stupid but looking back you can see God like God was so in it um, and then whenever we were still waiting to be approved our social worker said look you know you're not really approved but can you go there's a, a thing in they do it in, in Northern Ireland too but there's a a, a thing in Scotland um, where they're sh showcasing that's a terrible they're it's, it's a sort of just <laughs> like a, it's a day where um, social workers will bring profiles of the children which are they've found hard to place um, because sibling groups is hard to place because a lot of people will want one or they don't want to jump up for to take two or three or four kids. So it was one kids like that, uh, where they were in sibling groups or older kids as well, um, are harder to place. So that was sort of who was at that, the kids profiles was at that event. So um, our social worker asked us to go and I had studied in Scotland and Dave used to live in Scotland too. So we were like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Be a weekend away. So we stayed with friends and went to the thing and we, we met a social worker there called Liz and we chatted to her with these two children and it was just chat. It was great. You know, the kids were awesome, but because we weren't approved, we didn't expect anything from it at all. It was just a weekend away from us. And then we come home and long story short, Liz 
had phoned our social worker and said, I want those two for, for these two children, and I know they're not approved, and I'm going to wait for them, which is really unheard of, because normally you get approved, and then there's a long wait until you get a phone call to say you've been matched, but for us it was the opposite way around. Um, so then Liz wanted us, so she waited from October time maybe, and the kids came home then in June, so... Brilliant. And so for, for everyone sitting here, because obviously that's, that's been a, you're right in saying there's been a big journey with this, but how has church, how do you feel the church has played a part in your journey? What, is, what have you felt the support of having the church family around you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been really helpful actually. Um, from, right from day one, um, the church here has been absolutely fantastic. Um, numerous things. Um, there was a uh, a card sent to both kids on the as soon as they arrived home with like a gift voucher in them just to welcome them welcome them into the church family and welcoming them to their new family and that was just just something so simple like that it was just we felt just like it was amazing like just the fact that that the church for the size of the church here that they're still just recognizing these two we vulnerable kids just coming into a new family um and all the change that and as well um our life group has been great um we we uh, sort of seen Lady Victoria sitting down there, so um, we we joined their life group pretty much as we were starting the whole adoption journey. Um, and hijacked the prayer requests for <laughs> pretty much ever. Yeah, so they've they've been great. The, our whole life group has been great. Just journeyed through it all with us and just uh, supporting us and praying for us. And there's also um, Kathy uh, Gordon. She was in that life group as well, and she um, fosters. So there's those just straight away. There was loads of links there and loads of just common ground and stuff that we could share so it's been really good and also the kids the kids team i just think the kids team here is one of the best yeah. and and i think that that's even suppose for me saying myself that this is where we recognize and we're going to come to this in a few moments about how we can respond because these aren't just abstract stories for these guys journeying on their own we are part of a family together and uh and it's that idea that while we're loved by the Father, we're formed in, in family. And so for, for these guys, it's, it's great hearing the, the support and the blessing that the family can be, because what we want to be together. So it's not so much even, uh, it, it is, it's both of this. So it, while we want to share their stories and allow you to see the significant things that these guys are doing, because we just want to honor them and what they're doing, we also want to make you aware about how we can support as a family, because this is not just their story, this is our story. Uh, together as, as a church family and so it's significant that we do this um mark and claire what what do you feel because obviously one of the songs we've been singing about has been about good good father and the heart of a father what do you feel that even this whole process of adoption has taught you about the heart of father in this oh yeah um as i thought about this question and reflected i knew what i was going to go back to and that's one thing and i have to put my glasses on sorry um yeah we when we adopted clara um most of her adoption was done in South America, so she came home in a visa, and really, we just had to apply for an adoption order. But with Michael, it was a very different um, scenario, and he was still a ward of the trust when he uh, came to us, so really, we fostered him uh, with a view to adoption. And that, was, that turned into a very lengthy process while they went through what is called the freeing process, i.e. the legal process in the courts. Um, and there was, there was a bit of a fight for Michael's life, let's say. Um, when that finally went through, the symbolism, like just, you cannot, you can't, you, could, you couldn't ignore the correlation between adoption and who we are in Christ. And the day that we went to the High Court in Belfast, um, 
when I sort of at the table the next Sunday, I just remember jotting down lots of thoughts about um, just the significance of, of, of what adoption is and who we are, I suppose. But that day, um, Michael got a new identity. And when he went into the courtroom, uh, he went with his old surname and he came out with a new name. And he went ill. He went in still connected to one family, but he came out belonging to a new one. Um, he gained the promise of a new beginning, a new future, an inheritance, a story rewritten. Isn't that one of our things? Rewriting the story. These children's lives are literally being rewritten. Um, and it's never to be revoked. You know, what the judge did that day was final. And when we come into God's family, that's final, isn't it? He, God is the judge and he accepts us wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, as we sit here and, and as we sort of come around communion, we're members of a family that we didn't belong to. We've been welcomed in. It's just like those verses in the Psalms. And um, we have citizenship, we have belonging, and we have, and this is key very much, <laughs> a limitless future, um, hope. And, you know, uh, just that, that irrevocable decision. Um, and the groundwork is all done, and, and it is finished, you know. Um, and there's a verse in Second Samuel 9, and it's about... Um, David talking about Mephibosheth when he took him in and uh, at the end of it he said you know I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will always eat at my table and isn't that us in God's family we have royal robes that we don't deserve and we will always eat at this table so for me um, and this is why adoption turns you into a bit of a basket case and you can't cope in the worship because it is just it is the father heart um, and we're very imperfect but yeah, I think the you know <coughs> adoption's God's idea. It, he came up with it. It's it's how he made his family and how he makes his family. Um, we're at that home for a good conference yesterday, and the the first guy I spoke was a Methodist minister, and he was saying about uh, people saying to Jesus, "Here's your mother, here's your brothers," and Jesus saying, "Well, who is my mother? And who is my brother?" So immediately he moved his family beyond just DNA, yeah. and you know that's that's God's. That's how he builds his family here, is through adoption. So it's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. in our lives and, and as we sit here and talk about it, but it's all God's idea at the end of the day. It's beautiful. Um, just last last couple of questions, just really quickly. Um, Ali and Jeremy, do you want to pass the mics along there? I'm not, sure this, I'm not sure if this question was meant for you guys or not, but um, what, what would you say to people in, sitting here this morning who maybe are thinking or considering fostering adoption? What, what would you say to them this morning as as advice? Don't just think about it, do it. Um, we went to the information evening with the sort of view of we'll do it sometime, we'll do it sometime, um, not thinking that we'd come out of the room and sort of do it there and then. Um, so yeah, like if you've got a spare room in your house, if your kids are growing up, going to university, make use of that spare room. Um, each and every one of us up here, it's everyone, every day, everywhere, just making a difference, and we're just trying to do our bit. Amen. I think um, on the back of that as well, you know, I know it's not possible for everyone um, to, you know, because it, it, it's time-consuming. Um, be aunties and uncles to us, you know, like, we love coming in, and it's mostly babies that we've had, and we get to have a full cup of tea because someone is holding that child for us. And I don't have to bing it in the microwave, you know, um, just even like offering to help out even with our own children or, you know, just be someone on the end of the phone when you're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Merv, 
Barbara, have you any other thoughts about what church could, I've got some things in the screen here in a wee second just for that, but from, from you guys, from your heart, what, what can church do to support and get involved with us? Um, well, certainly we, we've uh, really, really appreciated what was Link's youth work and Emmanuel youth now, and all that they do for the teenage kids that we have had. They've all went through the processes there and made friends, they've had the gospel, you know, they've had everything um, that they needed to hear about God and and some have actually made, you know, decisions to, to trust Jesus and where they go with that in the future. We just have to wait and see, you know. But certainly one of the most difficult things with teenagers, even though our family's all grown up and we've got grandkids, it's still difficult for us to get out even for an evening for a meal or something because we've still got two 11, 12-year-old guys to look after. Um, so what, what, really, really what happened good. with your, was it your anniversary last year, <laughs> Lindsay was telling me? Yeah, it was her 40th anniversary, wasn't it? Yeah, her 40th anniversary this August there. So it's um, because her own kids have got her own, their family that they can't babysit for us. <laughs> so I, what, with an idea we, we'd heard of, uh, I don't know if Barbara can elaborate on a wee bit, is like aunts and uncles where it would be really good to have a church family who would volunteer to babysit at nights and stuff like that. And it'll be a process we'll probably have to go through to be able to even to do that. But it'll be for a couple of hours and it'll be very rarely, but it'll be great for all of these guys. Like you've heard about the cup of tea. Yeah. It, it really is a practical thing, you know. So some things I have on the screen, and then Claire, you can elaborate if there's anything else just as we finish in this. So some of the ways we had we had just felt that for us as a church, uh, so L Lindsay Martin, I should say, Lindsay Martin is, is a key uh, figure in this group as well. Um, she, she's uh, away on holidays with family, unfortunately. She was gutted. She couldn't be here uh, this morning. But Lindsay had just suggested some of these things. But from, from you guys, Claire, maybe you could um, say a yes and amen to some of these just before we finish praying. Just some of the ways of getting involved for us as a church. So for all of us, if you're sitting asking, what does this actually mean to me? What could I actually do about this? How to support these guys? How to get involved? Firstly, is this idea of um, just providing wrap around care was one of the things we said. Families need both emotional support, uh, chatting over coffee, spiritual support, such as praying and encouraging. One of the things, so I know Christine and David have said this, but it's significant about welcoming children and families into our church, about making an effort for this. This isn't just for the couples, but for us as a church family, anytime those stories are there, remembering their names. Names are key to their identity, inviting them along even to things like birthday parties that you might be running even for your own kids. They're now part of our church family as well. So things just practically doing that as we welcome the kids. Becoming aunties and uncles. So while children in the care system um, still have contact with their immediate family, they've lost contact with their extended family when they're in care. So we now become that in, in such a way, and the guys have mentioned that, almost becoming like aunts and uncles. I, I know the blessing that it is for me. Many times when we need support, sometimes your family is the extended family, the people you turn to first. So wouldn't it be great if that would be us <laughs> as a church family together doing that, providing respite? So the guys have mentioned this too, so all parents need a break sometimes. And uh, I think it's one of the things potentially is needed for that. You know, if there's people, kids staying um, in, in your home or if you're helping with that, obviously you need access and aid. You need to go through all the right checks and everything with that. So, But if you would love to be involved with that and offering support, uh, one of the things we'd love you to do is to speak to some of these guys. Lindsay will be here next week. Come and speak to us as well off the back of this. So there's different ways that you would just love to say, listen, us as a family, this is what we would love to do. Practical support. So sometimes there can be emergency placements that come in and uh, you know what it's like sometimes that, that if in terms of meals and things like that as a church family we can help with those too and then finally 
Mark said this to me just before uh, the service started. Everyone can pray. <laughs> Everyone can pray. We can pray for, for these guys. We can pray for the children um, in this area, the children in this nation that are in the curse system that need uh, a safe home. We pray for them. We pray for the families. We just pray that people would be able to experience the heart of God. Claire, so, so, sum it up for me just in terms of those. Um, those. I think one really key area, um, most of these children come so so needy and so broken and thankfully then they have um adults who will care and shepherd them but i think especially as the kids get older and i'm thinking of um james and roberto as well um they so need role models who are going to be the role models for these kids because let's face it once they're 13 they don't want to listen to us and i think that's something we do brilliantly here so i just want to say thank you for everyone who has drawn alongside our children and um, i am looking at some of you right now um, but I think this is a really key area for the boys particularly. You know, who are our boys looking, looking at as role models? Uh, one of our son's role models is Paul Pogba, but really that's not that realistic. Uh, but he is a young African child growing up with an Irish identity in Marilyn. It, it, it is a bit of a challenge. We're trying to build his life story and build him and give him resilience as, all, as we are trying to do for all the kids represented here. But... What has made a huge difference to Michael is um, people like Ryan Emerson and Matthew and Savo and whatever drawing alongside him to be um, his, I don't know, champions. They have championed that child. And he, uh, recently he was having a tough week and Ryan came and picked him up and took him out for two hours and he came home a different boy. So I just think, um, so that's a shout out to all the, the, the boys, the, the youth um, draw alongside the kids. They need people who will stand around them and be close enough to them that they'll be able to turn to them when they need um, someone other than their parents, actually. So. Guys, can we, can we stand and honour <laughs> these guys this morning just as they go off? Why don't we give them a round of applause on behalf of the family? Thank you, guys. Beautiful. Let's, let's keep standing. The worship guys are going to come up just to close us in worship. We're going to just say a prayer that's on the screen together. Um, this is a prayer that Home for Good have given as a resource uh, for this. Um, I, I'm going to read. There's just a prayer. This is a bit of like a liturgy. There's a prayer, but there's, there's a few lines that are in blue, and we just love us to read those together. And this morning, let's just do this. These aren't just words that we're just saying for the sake of it. These are words of blessing and just inviting the Holy Spirit to come. So as we look at the screens, we're almost done with this. This is our involvement. And again, we'd really encourage you, if you feel stirred by this this morning, you can't not listen to stories like that this morning and not be stirred by it in some way. And so if there's any way, any of those different ways we send you could get involved, please speak to us and be part of this with us. So let, let me pray these bits that are in black and then again the bits that are in blue. Let's pray these together. Father God, we thank you for adopting us into your family as dearly loved children. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. God, our Father, even when we were still sinners, ungrateful and undeserving, you opened your arms of love and invited us into relationship with you. 
Even while we can be disobedient and selfish, you cover us with grace and call us your children. Even though we have nothing to offer beside our hearts, you, you, you call us to purpose and want, us to, or want to use us to make a difference in this world. Thank you, Father God, for adopting us into your family. I say this. Affirm us, God our Father, as part of your great story. Lord God, we pray for all those who care for vulnerable children. We thank you for the privilege we have to serve you and be your hands and feet in this world. We pray specifically for those who open their homes, their lives, or their hearts to vulnerable children, foster carers, adoptive parents, kinship carers, social workers, teachers, therapists, and other professionals. Lord God, would you strengthen, encourage, and uphold each one. As a church, would you use us to support families who foster or adopt and help us to be a place of welcome and acceptance. We pray now for families in this church and those who are known to us. Show us how we can be part of their story as we stand with them. Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's read this. Equip us, Lord God, to be part of their stories. And finally, Lord Jesus, we pray for every child whose story is painful. Lord Jesus, you're needed in every situation, in every circumstance in every story, and we bring before you each child who has suffered. Where there has been neglect, would you bring restoration and pour out your grace? Where there has been abuse, would you bring healing and pour out your love? Where there was loss and grief, would you bring wholeness and pour out your peace? Where there is anger and hurt, would you bring comfort and pour out your hope? Where there is confusion and the future is unsure, would you bring understanding and call your people to respond? We love because he first loved us. Encourage us, Lord Jesus, to pray and to respond, to be part of making their story better in whatever way we can. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. Inspire us to be part of the story. Father, thank you for your love for us. And as the guys have shared in, in words this morning, Father, we sing now as those who have been adopted into your family. We have a reason to worship and a reason to sing. So God, these last words that we sing, God, are all for you, for the glory of your name, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you love us. Thank you that we are loved by a Father formed in a family. Be glorified, Jesus, in this worship we pray. Let's sing this morning just as we finish. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.